0: Hello, and welcome to the Chest Journal podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of Chest, I would like to welcome you to the Chest Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Gretchen Winter, and I am your Chest Podcast moderator. Thank you all for joining us today for what will be an interesting discussion on tele ICU implementation and mortality. We are fortunate to have Dr. Mario Fusaro and Dr. Craig Lilly as our guests. Dr. Fusaro and his colleagues wrote an article in the April 2021 Chest Journal tele-ICU implementation, and mortality differences between daytime versus nighttime coverage. Dr. Fusaro went to medical school at Temple University and did an internal medicine residency at NYU, followed by a fellowship in pulmonary and critical care at the University of Maryland. He is now the chief medical officer for a telemedicine group, Equim Medical. His research interests include tele-ICU outcomes and machine learning applications for ICU benchmarking. Dr. Lilly wrote the accompanying editorial, ICU Telemedicine Nighttime Support, Getting By with a Little Help from Your Friends. Dr. Lilly is a professor of medicine at the University of Massachusetts and a founding director of their Intensive Care Unit Telemedicine Program. He is broadly published with over 150 original articles and is the senior editor of the Intensive Care Medicine textbook. Now, Dr. Fusaro... Your study sought to evaluate whether tele-ICU implementation affected adjusted mortality outcomes. What prompted you to ask this question?
1: I just want to say thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be part of the podcast. Um, So since I've been doing tele-ICU, I've become very interested in finding ways to optimize the functionality of tele-ICU. Overall, several meta-analyses have found mortality benefits to tele-ICU, but that being said, some studies didn't. Um, several authors had previously noted that differences in buy-in, methods of implementation, and degree of utilization may explain some of this. In a previous publication, we noted that centers where pre ICU standardized mortality ratio was greater than one, meaning worse than predicted, um, were the ones that found the most benefit once teleICU was implemented. We want to see if there are other associations with mortality benefit implementation in teleICU.
0: You also specifically evaluated whether there were mortality differences with the implementation of tele-ICU service during the day and night shifts. What made you interested in looking specifically at that?
1: Sure. So uh, the co-primary author of this study, Christian Becker, one of my colleagues, he originally made this observation in looking at performance improvement data. So we decided to look into this, do more of a deep dive, and figure out if we could analyze why that might be the case to better understand know, how tele-ICU improves outcomes.
0: Now, you did find differences in the risk-adjusted ICU mortality pre- and post-tele-ICU implementation. Can you please tell us what you found and how it differed between the AM and PM groups?
1: Sure uh, we tried to think of all possible ways that the diff- there may be a difference between day and night coverage, whether it be camera frequency camera duration, uh, major interventions, nursing interventions you know some examples of major interventions would be a patient's in shock we've had oppressors or a patient is in respiratory distress we recommend intubation things around the, along those along those lines
0: and what were the outcomes that you found in these? in in your pre- and post-tele-ICU implementation mortality rates according to AM and PM groups?
1: Um, So, basically, we found that there was an overall reduction in mortality uh, between the pre- and the post-tele-ICU group, and on stratified analysis, we found that the nighttime group was mostly driving that reduction in mortality. There was a trend towards improvement in in mortality during the daytime group. However, again, it was not significant. Um, Additionally, we found that the the observed mortality ratio or standardized mortality ratio for the daytime group was below 1, and then the nighttime group was above 1 at 1.3. Again, this may suggest that tele-ICU could be used to have reduction in mortality.
0: And in addition to finding a mortality difference in the PM tele-ICU group, you also noted more major interventions per admission and longer video encounters during that PM shift. Do you have a hypothesis on why that was and how it affected the results?
1: Yeah, so to me, tele can kind of be compared to a central nervous system where there are multiple sensory inputs, whether they're nurse reporting, you know, um, alert reporting, proactive monitoring. And the system collects data, feeds it back into the, into the physician or to the advanced practice provider, uh, pharmacist, whomever, and they sort of act on that data being sent in. So, you know, that feedback loop can be a little bit complex, so the exact mechanism is a little bit difficult to ascertain. Um, but we tried to quantify some parts of the feedback loop that, you know, could be measured as either major interventions or camera stats. Sort of objective measures of tele-ICU uh, physician involvement. So it seems that the nighttime population in our study was a little bit sicker. It tended to be less, um, less planned admissions, higher acuity, more sepsis, more trauma, and it's possible that all of the, you know, All of the higher acuity patients were a little bit more active. And so, again, I'm speculating. I don't exactly know the answer, but that additional layer of support from tele whether it be the nursing, um, patient care alerts, lab medication monitoring, um, or physician review may have been the extra support needed to improve the outcomes in those patients.
0: Now, how does your study and its results compare to the prior literature on the effectiveness of tele-ICU services, and what does your study uniquely add to that literature?
1: Yeah, so our study, again, builds on the observation that tele-ICU is associated with a mortality reduction, and it, again, we, we sort of build on our previous work that may suggest that that um, observed mortality ratios may predict tele-ICU success after it's implemented. Um, Additionally, we found that higher duration of camera interventions and more frequent camera interventions, along with major interventions, might also be associated with that difference in mortality.
0: Now, Dr. Lilly, in your accompanying editorial, you discuss how the magnitude of improvement in mortality outcomes is related to the extent of changes in process elements that were not optimal before program implementation. Can you please discuss that a little bit for our listeners?
2: Yes, according to the Donabedian concept, that changes in structure and changes in function result in changes in outcomes for any process improvement or quality um, improvement measure. Our hypothesis is that um, the changes in process that were occurring, uh, particularly at night in Dr. Fusaro's study, were the ones that uh, resulted in the improved outcomes. And he has very good evidence to suggest that that's the case by demonstrating that there's more frequent, longer, potentially earlier uh, interventions. So this is really a way to leverage telemedicine resources to get the care that the patients need in the right place at the right time. It also suggests that the more action or the more major interventions that the telemedicine team did the better the outcomes were. And this is really very similar to the uh, results of our 2011 study that we published in the Journal of the American Med- Medical Association, where we also saw a disproportionate reduction in mortality in uh, nighttime um, nighttime admitted as opposed to daytime admitted patients. And I think that the concept of how they're different is really was very nicely um, pointed out by Mario, who, who, uh, correctly points out that many of the post-surgical and routine cases come in, post-procedural cases come in during the day, and the cases that come in tonight are less planned, um, less um, amenable to protocolized care and require um, the unique talents and gifts that um, critical care professionals uh, have to bring. So it's a really very um, exciting study, and I think it uh, demonstrates that um, there are needs that are not necessarily met, patients have needs that are not necessarily met by the routine care teams that we have in place, and that telemedicine is a great way uh, to fill that gap.
0: Now, you also discussed the potential role of time-sensitive interventions implemented by tele-ICU physicians on the impact of mortality. Can you discuss that a little?
2: I think that um, it isn't that uh, people that are um, on the front lines in the intensive care unit at night um, don't know to do everything that should be done. It's just that um, sometimes they have to prioritize. And so if you uh, if you assign to a lower priority a time-sensitive task uh, that could have been taken care of by an off-site provider using telemedicine tools, then those are the cases that are probably not going to do as well because you didn't intervene as early as you should have. So the exciting part of Mario's study is really the fact that they were able to get to things a little bit sooner. There was more communication demonstrated by the camera activations, which are, of course, two-way interactions, more discussion, and whether or not um, the off-site provider came up with the solution or whether that discussion allowed the bedside providers To come up with the solutions those solutions work better so this is an exciting technology because it gives us a little bit more help a little bit more um, observation better monitoring better identification of problems that are susceptible to interventions and more actual interventions implemented because you have incremental resources available and this is in the context both in our 2011 study and also um, in mario's study and very well resourced um, high-functioning intensive care units. And for a long time, the idea was that the ICUs were for rural hospitals where there wasn't anybody, where there wasn't any expertise, but these studies really show that even in some of the best intensive care uh, unit implementations that we have, that telemedicine has a role to play, and that there's some times when there just aren't enough folks to do what it needs to happen when it needs to happen. So I'm really excited about this study. I think it teaches us a lot, raises some new uh, exciting questions. Um, and it, uh, most importantly, it just demonstrates that if you have an additional layer of support, your patients can do
0: better. And Dr. Fusaro, what are the next steps for the research on this topic? Yeah, so I think the
1: next steps for teleIC research in general would involve looking at different evidence-based outcomes of interest Uh, with regard to benchmarking and protocol implementation, um, similar to Dr. Lilly's studies, um, the logistics center that he had set up, you know, it looked at different ways of protocolizing care throughout the ICU. And I think as machine learning applications continue to be embedded in electronic medical records, there's going to be more predictive information that we can act upon even quicker or that can benchmark certain outcomes of interest to help us with the bigger outcomes of interest, sort of like mortality, length of stay, and vent days. So we can get a little bit more granular and figure out what might be driving some of these, you know, vent day elevations or length of stay elevations or worsened mortality.
0: Perfect. Well as we finish up our discussion, can each of you please give our listeners a closing thought on what you've learned from your experience or this study? What do you want them to take away from this discussion? Dr. Fusaro,
1: I think the future of medicine is going to be largely driven by the use of technology to improve patient care outcomes and to maximize efficiency in healthcare in healthcare delivery. You know, as healthcare costs grow, uh, methods for improving healthcare efficiency will be more and more important. Tele ICU is one of those technologies which, if properly implemented, could help to improve both patient care outcomes and care delivery.
0: And Dr. Lilly.
2: I really think that Mario's points about um, machine learning and earlier detection, longer time horizons for recognizing patients who need our attention, and also ways to recognize patients that don't require uh, intervention and are going to be safe and are already healing will be really important going forward. And I also think that the availability of really great acuity-adjusted adjust- data about how our patients are doing will allow us insights we wouldn't have otherwise. How many people at Westchester would have really understood that their nighttime mortality was higher than it should have been if Mario hadn't done the study and figured that out? So I do think I'm very excited uh, about new technologies that better and more efficiently monitor, and also about reports so we can better understand where we should focus our efforts. I really think this study has been a great advance.
0: A big thank you to both of you for a great conversation on an important topic and a big thank you to our chess community for joining us today. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a chess podcast. Until next time.